Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Michael Whistler. Mike is the Chief Information Officer of m and Bank, a financial services institution with more than $6 billion in annual revenue and more than $155 billion in total assets. He's been in his role for a bit more than four and a half years. Though it took some convincing for Mike to move from the DC area where he was a tech executive at Capital One to Buffalo where m and Bank is headquartered, he's now an advocate for the region, including getting involved in a startup accelerator, 43 North, as its chairman. I look forward to learning more about his journey and the remarkable transformation he's led since arriving at m and Bank. Mike, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. Excellent. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's chief operating officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. And Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do when you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What Adyen did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment, but it's, hey, how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases? Thanks, Cameron. And now on to the interview. Well, well uh, Mike, I, I thought we'd begin with uh, background into, into the bank itself. Uh, m and Bank historically was a community bank. It's now grown as the numbers I just quoted would certainly validate into quite a behemoth. And I wonder if you could take a moment and kind of describe the institution itself. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we are top 10-ish uh, in and around there, depending on which uh, dimension you want to measure. Uh, and so certainly have arrived from a long history uh, that, that dates back uh, over 165 years uh, as a community bank. I think at one point, M&T was the third largest bank in Buffalo. Uh, and so you, you, think about, you think about that trend. Um, you know, at our heart, um, while our size may not be indicative of a traditional community bank, uh, it continues to be at the center of our mission and our values, and frankly, a big reason uh, for the appeal for me to go from these other metros, such as DC, here to uh, Buffalo, New York. You know, while we're too large probably to consider ourselves a community bank, I think that the the at the heart of a community and being a bank for communities uh, will continue to be um, at the uh, at the center, and, and frankly, what we believe to be the difference maker for us, uh, not only for the community but from a competitive advantage perspective as well. Very interesting. And talk a bit about your role as chief information officer. Um, what, what's under your purview in that role? Yeah, so um, uh, I jokingly say everything with a plug uh, here at the bank, <laughs> uh, fortunately or unfortunately. But uh, as, a, as the head of technology, um, all of our strategy, all of our day-to-day -day, uh, technology implement, implementations, whether they be to support our 23,000 colleagues uh, or our millions of customers here in the U.S. And in fact, we do have uh, quite a business uh, overseas in, in Europe as well, um, uh, as well as uh, cybersecurity, uh, data, uh, innovation, uh, all the things that you would consider to be in the traditional CTO, CIO role. 
And I, I know you have uh, chief information officers at the, the divisional or operating company or business unit level as well, which would suggest a degree of federation of the model. Talk a bit about how a technology is structured and also how the different parts and pieces work together. Yeah, so we, th we think about it in, in a couple of different ways. Um, I think about the craft of technology and the, in the, in the, uh, the human capital of our organization to be pretty centralized. And so all, all the 2000 plus technologists that we have here organized uh, together in technology, while at the same time being federated and dedicated to the division in which they're uh, in support of. And so, uh, as you'd mentioned before, and you've met Sonny and Matt and, and others we have, uh, several divisional CIOs, uh, a couple of which who uh, lead all the technology for uh, our business lines, uh, as well as other cr critical supporting divisions, you know, finance, risk, reg, uh, operations, and, and others. And so trying to strike a, the, the right balance between making sure the community of professionals that we have feel, in fact, that they're part of a community, they're well supported, uh, and that we can manage at the scale that, that we need to manage but at the same time feeling that they're part of something that is more local, right? They're part of the consumer bank, they're part of the commercial bank, they're part of the wealth uh, division uh, and constantly trying to strike that, that balance is that federation is kind of where one might be deployed uh, while still being part of a, you know, a scaled up, disciplined, well-managed technology organization. Very interesting. And talk a bit about the team itself. Uh, I mentioned at the outset to something that I read about and we just, we've discussed in past conversations, the, the fact that it took some selling to get you to Buffalo, uh, a city it sounds like you didn't know very well prior to joining, but a little less than five years ago. Um, to what extent is that a microcosm of the conundrum or opportunity that, that uh, you have in building a team, perhaps not only in Buffalo, but, but primarily at least headquarters-wise there as well. T talk a bit about that process of building a team around you. Yeah, we're, we're primarily uh, in Buffalo. The, the, you know, the gravity of the bank uh, certainly has been and, and continues to be here. Call it about 70% of our team, which is pretty well correlated to the rest of the bank here in Buffalo. Uh, probably about 20% in Wilmington. Uh, if you're familiar, Wilmington Trust is a, a wholly owned subsidiary of M&T, uh, as well as a meaningful uh, presence in Baltimore uh, as, as well. Uh, with the uh, recent People's United uh, expansion, five new states in, into New England, we're, we're certainly starting to get a little bit more, uh, a little more, more federated. Uh, the, the story of my arrival to Buffalo is one uh, uh, that, that, that grows with time, uh, but um, I often joke, many of us are courted quite often. Uh, you know, the, the demand that is out there for folks with our kind of experience is high. And so, the, you know, the number of calls that one might get uh, tends to be a bit annoying, frankly. Uh, I almost never answered the phone, uh, you know, in the 20 years that I had spent uh, at Capital One. Uh, and one day I accidentally did. Uh, and as I accidentally answered the phone and, and realized that, uh, you know, I was on with a recruiter of, of which, you know, since then I've grown to have a real sincere appreciation and friendship with, uh, says, hey, I've got this really great opportunity with this really great company, comma, but it's in Buffalo. Uh, and, and, I, and I nearly hung up on him. Uh, but um, luck would have it in the universe of the line that he was quite persistent. Uh, and uh, I came to really have a sincere appreciation for not only this locale, uh, but also the, the, the history of M of M and T itself. And I heard it took something like uh, six trips or so uh, through the recruiting process to get to know the bank and the city a little bit better. Is that right? Yeah, I was uh, cautious. Would be a kind uh, description of, of of the way that I explored. Um, but um, you know, 
many, many trips, uh, exploration with Renee, who's our CEO and several uh, other leaders here. Um, and um, you know, what I found was uh, M&T, I don't think is that different from many other uh, financial institutions, but frankly, uh, long-standing, long-successful uh, organizations uh, who you know, had just been conditioned in history, uh, you know, call it pre-industrial revolution, post-industrial revolution to whatever we're calling right now, the fourth industrial revolution, the digital age, um, to where, you know, they were uh, companies like M&T were incredibly rewarded for being the most prudent, being the most conservative, being the most efficient, being most predictable. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think that we're going to be rewarded for being reckless in banking for, for, for sure. Um, but what, what Renee and others had realized in the, in the classic sense of, you know, that which had gotten us here probably won't exclusively get us uh, to, to the next place. Uh, and I spent uh, a long time put uh, Renee and others through, you know, through the ropes of uh, really asking, like, do you really understand what, you know, what you're, what, what you're asking to embark upon? Uh, do, you know, do you have the stomach for it? Do you, do you have an understanding of, of what kind of investment it is? Not because I thought that there was a, you know, a monetary or a project type uh, investment. And, and I recognize that this is as much cultural as, as anything else. And over, over those six or seven trips uh, began to uh, have a real appreciation for this community that is in M&T inside it, it, its own community and, and a real sense for how I might be able to apply my, apply my own experiences in ways that uh, frankly, just weren't offered in, in many of the places I had been and was spending my time. You know, these these really dense coastal cities, you know, hoodie and backpack uh, tech centers. Very interesting, and it's quite telling now that if you go to your LinkedIn page, it says Chief Information Officer of M&T Bank, Chairman of Forty Three North, Lover of Buffalo. Uh, it's actually like one of your titles, <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah. It doesn't take long to fall in love with Buffalo, for sure. And, and frankly, it feels like a, a bit like coming home in a certain sense. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. Embarrassingly, I didn't realize how far west New York went. Uh, you know, showing up showing up in Buffalo does not feel like necessarily the picture of New York that I think lots of folks uh, have in their head. It's a great community. Well, talk a bit about that transformation that you, uh, you know, had to check the executives uh, sort of stomach and stamina uh, as to whether or not they were willing to sign up for. Clearly they were. And in as much as they did, they, they, uh, they brought you on now, you know, a little shy of five years in role. Uh, where did you focus your attention in, in uh, modernizing the, the technology footprint of the bank? It's, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a great story, I think. You know, I think the word transformation is probably a little bit overused. I, I do think that if, if anyone has a, a right to some portion of it, we might. If, if you think about our history, uh, and, and I won't go over it again in detail, of just this super acute positive reinforcement of those very traditional uh, kind of attributions of success. Um, you know, what, what I spent the first several months here uh, in M&T, not only just assimilating my, myself and understanding the history of, of the organization, uh, but really spending some time with the rest of the executive committee and leaders around the bank, um, getting us to really focus on what I called our beliefs, our behaviors, and then our techniques. Um, I often resisted in the first, uh, first several months uh, answering the questions that came up pretty often like, well, what's our tech roadmap going to be? When are we going to the cloud? You know, when are, you, when are you going to teach us Agile? All those things are important. Uh, but what I knew to be true is the work that we were really going to be uh, embarking upon was, was more cultural and, and frankly, more emotional uh, than anything else. Uh, and that we really had to 
sit in, in under and ask ourselves questions like, do we believe, in fact, that the future is going to reward us for being more nimble, that the future is going to reward us for bringing closer to the center of strategic advantage uh, this thing that historically may have been considered more of a liability or a cost, you know, a cost of doing business. Do we really believe that the future is going to be about talent and communities of learners um, in, in a world where the half-life of knowledge, particularly in technology, is just shrinking uh, so fast? And if we can sit in those places and really convince ourselves that there is a new belief system, not a change in values, but a new, but a new belief system uh, by which the, the winners of the future and ongoing are going to be uh, attributed by, then we can start studying the behaviors, right? If you, if you think about traditional uh, organizations uh, in hierarchical uh, the behavior changes, how leaders operate, uh, how, how work is done, how, how work is prioritized, and kind of flip that on its head, then we can get to the techniques. And not to discount the techniques around modern technology, engineering practices, agility, data science, all, all those things are important. But if you jump straight to those things, and, um, and, and you try to attempt to learn these new techniques, but you skip the belief side and you slip, skip the behavior side, one of, one of two things is certainly going to happen. The, those, those techniques aren't going to work as well, uh, and you will waste some time and energy and, and, and some money. Um, worst, worst in my mind is you get confused and you think that maybe those techniques don't work when, in fact, the techniques are fine. They just need to be, they need to be well integrated with, a, with a beliefs and behavior system. And so... I was lucky enough to be able to hold us in that place for enough time to understand that this was way more about it than a, than a tech roadmap. This is way more about the things that, uh, you know, I think are more headline grabbing and, and easier to, to hold your hands on um, to move us into a place where we put together and have been chipping away at a, at a transformation strategy that, that's essentially centered around three things. Um, one is around talent. Uh, one is around agility, uh, and the, the last component is capabilities, which tends to be a really big bucket. Um, five years ago, we were incredibly um, dependent, overly dependent on third-party uh, labor, uh, you know, had, had more of a traditional sense of thinking about technology as a commodity. Uh, and what I believe and what we believe to be true is, is if you think that technology, and particularly the manipulation of software, uh, is anywhere near and will continue to be uh, near the center of the strategic impact and, and differentiation of a company, then you, not that you don't outsource it in some cases, but you certainly not to, to that degree. And it really needs to be an employee proposition uh, cl closer to the center of, of what makes this human organization uh, work. And, and frankly, we believe uh, that uh, the only thing that will endure changes in strategy, changes in competitive environment, changes in technology is talent. Uh, and so if you really think about, you'll hear Renee often say, um, when, when asked about how we invest in technology, we have a bias towards technologists over, over technology. Uh, and in that short period of time, we've gone from the vast majority of the hands-on keyboards uh, here at the company not actually belonging to M&T to the vast majority actually belonging to, to M&T. Um, on the agility journey, uh, you know, this, these are not new things, but necessarily maybe new to us, completely pivoted the way that we think about our investments from a, a very traditional kind of annual planning process that, that inevitably produces a small number of very big uh, audacious things that take way too long uh, to deliver. And by the time you actually do deliver them, you just follow this kind of dissatisfaction curve, you know, out, out to the end uh, to one where we've just decomposed the entire company 
into its enduring capabilities, which aligns well with that divisional uh, ownership of technology leaders, uh, such that we have a persistently dedicated cross-functional set of teams. We've got over 250 Agile teams, uh, but cross-functional as in not only just technologists, but designers and, and business product owners, dedicated to outcomes in a more enduring way so that we can uh, do the least amount of work uh, for the most amount of value in the, sh in the shortest amount of time uh, and not be beholden to these kind of more traditional kind of false economy, long, pro you know, long project plans. Uh, we're about three and a half years into that, and we're you know, we're seeing all the all the signs that one would expect. Uh, and then on the on the capability side, they fall more into just a modern engineering uh, team, you know, a top ten bank, you know, really boosting our uh, our capabilities to protect the bank, to serve our twenty three thousand colleagues, to really modernize uh, not only the space that they work in, but all the tools and collaboration uh, opportunities that they have. Uh, to, to continuously keep an eye on uh, securing the bank, uh, as you know, as, as, well as, any, as well as anybody else, the bigger you get, the bigger the target on, on your back um, uh, in protecting not only uh, the bank assets, but our, but our customer assets. And then just modernizing the engineering capabilities as we become more competent as technologists, engineering more of our own capabilities. Uh, modern engineering practices to make sure that we can move at the pace uh, that we need to and that the technology that we're working on and the architecture uh, that we're uh, delivering it with uh, is um, uh, fit for purpose. What a remarkable journey you described there. That's really really something. I, I there, There's one piece of it that I want to um, double click on, and that is going from an organization where uh, a lot was outsourced. Um, it sounds like a lot was uh, purchased off the shelf. Um, and I, I don't doubt that both those things exist to some degree uh, um, on an ongoing basis, but moving more towards an engineering mindset, a build mindset, uh, you know, controlling your own innovation and your own destiny. That is, as you mentioned at the outset of your response, a cultural change. It's a, a change in mindset. And I'm, I'm curious, as you thought about identifying this new means of operating, to what extent was the recipe in, in creating that culture change one of bringing in people like yourself who knew what good looked like at the destination uh, combined with uh, leading existing employees uh, in a new direction? What, what was the balance in sort of thinking about the talent component and that cultural component in order to breathe life into that vision? Yeah, th 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 there's a couple elements that I think um, as, as I reflect. Um, one. You know, I think the classic kind of do you build or do you buy question is a bit of a misnomer question, or at least it doesn't it doesn't exist in the way that it might have existed 15 or, or, or 20 years ago, where the choice was relatively binary. Um, you know, I think that the, the build or buy question is way more nuanced, uh, even when you buy the opportunity to um, responsibly customize uh as opposed to kind of how we might have used to <laughs> manipulate things that, that, that we bought that, you know, a couple of decades ago um, is, is just a totally different change. Um, you know, we're, I think that having a builder's mindset um, is at the heart of, of, of how we think about uh, our talent profile, not within technology, but also uh, with, within the rest of the bank and, and more of a curiosity mindset. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, I answer the question of, um, well, what's our tech roadmap going to look like? And try to turn it around a little bit and say, what we really need to understand is what our business strategy is. Because uh, we really understand the means by which we're, we have a right to win or we want to maintain a right to win or we want to gain a, a right to win. That will often expose to us 
the, the correlation to technology roadmap in the sense that um, if, if, we, if an element of our business, we need to be at parity with others, uh, or it is not necessarily a, a meaningful distinction in, in the way that we are going to uh, go to market or to win, uh, that has a higher correlation for us to, to buying or being, you know, being in, in a place uh, where we may use something that many others use. The difference you know, in that scenario is in the places where we want to create a unique, differentiated uh, experience or have a, a, a different speed or a different price point or, or, or a different something else, that tends to have a higher correlation to a, a much higher degree of um, closeness to, you know, call it the kernel or, 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 or at the uh, engineering itself. Uh, and like, I don't necessarily have a bias to either one from a technology perspective. Um, I, but I do have a bias to us understanding and making sure that principally we, there's a tight correlation uh, between, between those two. Uh, and, you know, we are, you know, we are not as large as, as some of the other, uh, other banks in the top 10 who are spending, you know, multiples of billions, you know, 10, tens of billions on technology, but we are big enough uh, of this Goldilocks size. I, you know, I like to consider us to be, so we're big enough uh, to have the means and to have the capacity to bring to bear anything that anybody else can bring to bear technically. You know, we might have to be a little bit more selective, uh, you know, about, you know, where we're placing our bets, but we don't want for anything. Um, and so we just have to be really great at understanding where, in fact, are we going to be able to make a difference so that we can deploy uh, that capacity in the right place. Um, and, and to your point, you know, I don't think any large scale organization that is an enable, enabled by tech uh, like ours is, is going to have an absence of any of those things, have an absence of third party partners or have an absence of, of, of more COTS off the shelf uh, software. I think being disciplined about when, in fact, uh, those things are applied and, and being principled about, about those things is more important over the longer term. And that's, and that's what we're attempting to do. Very interesting. I, I mentioned uh, at the outset, you're the chairman of a startup accelerator called 43 North. Uh, first of all, talk a bit about 43 North and why you felt a calling to, to get involved. Yeah, I, uh, I might be a little bit biased uh, as, as a chairman, but I think that uh, 43 North is quite possibly the most underrated business competition and in, in incubator in the country. Uh, it uh, has a very unique profile and in, in beginning in that it is a private-public uh, partnership uh, where the um, Empire State Development, which is a, a, a state economic development uh, agency, uh, funds it and has funded it for eight years, um, where we essentially have a business competition uh, every single year uh, here where we bring somewhere between 15 and 20 comp, uh, uh, startups uh, to compete uh, for a $1 million investment uh, from, from 43 North uh, with the agreement that um, a, a small stake of the company will be placed in, in the 43 North Foundation and that they will relocate a meaningful part of their company uh, to Buffalo for at least a year. Uh, and we, I believe, just finished our eighth competition. We have about 50 companies still in residence here in Buffalo. Uh, we've had uh, those companies that are here, I believe, have raised well over a billion dollars since then. We've had our first company IPO at the unicorn status. Uh, it's something that we're, we're really proud of, um, one that it's unique. Uh, and it's quintessentially Buffalo uh, in, in the sense that uh, it doesn't take long, I'm a living example, it doesn't take long for someone to be in the presence of Buffalo and realize that it, this place is positively different uh, in, a, in a place that not only you as an individual or a family could fall in love with, but you as a founder uh, in starting a company uh, can fall 
in, in love with as well. Uh, and it is uh, primarily about economic development. It's about jobs. Uh, those companies that are still here have created over, I believe, over 3,000 jobs globally, over 1,000 jobs uh, locally. Uh, and it's an incredibly important part to this broader thesis that we have uh, around ecosystems. Uh, and that we believe that cities like Buffalo uh, are in a race for relevance. And that relevance is mostly around talent. Uh, and it takes the type of collaboration and coordination uh, amongst many parts of an ecosystem to, to be successful uh, from large institutions like ourselves to small uh, startups to universities to, to local, state, and federal uh, policies to really make sure you're creating the right kind of environment uh, where, where, frankly, uh, communities like ours are competing uh, for, for, uh, for talent, whether that be founder talent, engineering talent, new business leader uh, talent to, to come find a place. What, what a fascinating overview. I appreciate that. And, and uh, I really also uh, enjoyed your, your description of the, the fruit of this, which sounds substantial, substantial for, for the city and, and substantial for the technology community, more generally speaking. I wanted to also ask you, Mike, you, you are a, um, a gr uh, among the growing alumni, a group of alumni from Capital One who've gone on to become global chief information officers at a, at a litany of, of uh, uh, Fortune 500, you know, major organizations. And I wonder if you could reflect for a moment uh, on, on that. Uh, what was it about that experience that has made this into such a talent factory? Yeah, I consider myself um, incredibly lucky to have stumbled into what was uh, what was essentially a startup uh, in 1999 in Richmond, Virginia, uh, that was uh, Capital One. In fact, I think it had just gotten its name uh, a couple years a couple years prior to that. Um, and it, you know, as, as I think as I think back, it was and continued to be this incredible incubator. Uh, Rich Fairbanks, who continues to to, to lead Capital One. Um, was an incredible visionary and strategist. Uh, he taught us, many of us, um, all about talent, strategy, and culture. Uh, you know, when I, a lot of people don't know that when many of us first arrived, um, we hadn't, hadn't necessarily decided what we were going to be uh, at, at that point. Uh, we were testing in credit cards, but we were testing in several, several other businesses as well. And, and he really brought to bear uh, this appreciation uh, for all of us and this rigor for all of us around bringing um, scientific approach, data, this builder mentality, this customer first, uh, real kind of discovery and curiosity all, in, all into one place well before what is what feels very common now, right? Like we were doing arguably big data well before anybody even talk, you know, talked about uh, uh, big data or fast data or, or any kind of data. Uh, and uh, it was just a, it was a crucible uh, in, the, in the positive ways for really learning how to create a differentiated uh, value prop uh, to in, in be incredibly rigorous on every element, uh, you know, whether that was talent or technology or strategy uh, across the board. Um, and his undying belief in the power of technology in particular um, really enabled, I think, what, you, what you're talking about as many of us to grow up in a place that, that um, as we're on the outside, we look back, and I think uh, I certainly have much more of appreciation for it than than well I did when I was in, because many of us thought everybody was doing the same things we were doing, uh, and turns out uh, that wasn't necessarily the case. 
you know, that everybody was, you know, competing with, you know, on campus, you know, with the with the big tech companies, you know, in the mid two in the mid two thousands. I thought everybody was doing that. I thought everybody was in a race to the cloud. I thought everybody uh, realized that, you know, modern, big, successful uh, organizations have to be small in their approach and big and big in their kind of rigor and uh, in, in, in scale. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think lots of other places have to spend a lot of their own energy convincing others that, in fact, that's the way that modern companies are going to win in the future. And, and I think I know that many of us, uh, the alumni network is pretty strong. Many of us who find ourselves uh, uh, outside of there uh, really have a, an even higher appreciation for just the ambient level of endorsement for for some of those things uh, that uh, that Rich uh, led us through uh, and Rob Alexander uh, led us through over the years that just aren't present in lots of other places. Yeah, a great great overview. I appreciate your your reflection on your your time there and and some of the magic of that company. I wanted to ask you also, Mike. We talked about a, a number of of trends uh, that you are in the process of uh, of writing, if you will. I wonder, as you reflect uh, or as you project forward uh, the next couple of years, what other trends excite you uh, as, as you think about what's to come? You know, the hype curve is is often something that we're trying to pay attention to. Sometimes dodge. Uh, and, and, and be ready for, you know, I, I don't think that necessarily there's anything on the on the technical backlogs of uh, of our our company that's necessarily different from 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 anybody else. I think that we're still early uh, as a uh, as an industry in the real power of data, instrumenting our businesses uh, in a way that we can really understand um, exactly how not only our customers are interacting with us, but our, how our colleagues are interacting with us. I think the convergence of, of really instrumenting such to the point that you can predict uh, uh, with, a, with a lot more fidelity, kind of how, one, how one's sentiment might be around the environment that, uh, that, that we're presenting uh, to them. I think many of us are still early there. I think many of us uh, have realized that, that data in, its, in itself is quite possibly the most uh, important and valuable asset that we have, uh, despite the fact that I think uh, I often I often describe uh, our descriptions of our data environments to be similar to our description of our golf games. Is like everybody everybody has one and wishes it was better, uh, but I think you know continuing to invest in, in data and, and unleashing the power of that. You know I think our history is a community bank that grew up not necessarily. Uh, dismissive of data, but not compelled uh, as many kind of the, of the the more mature kind of national scaled businesses had been, uh, where we had grown um, being physically present with our customers in our communities. Um, you know, beginning can just continuing to mature and instrumenting that. I think there's a, a ton of opportunity for us. We're super excited about it uh, and investing in it, not to necessarily replace that thing that we think that is a difference maker for us is really being in our community and really knowing what's best. Uh, for our community and our customers, but more so to enhance and, and increase our ability to be able to know those things and be where we need to be uh, for our customers. Um, I think the advancements uh, in many of the modern engineering capabilities, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about the cloud, uh, you know, to, to the extent that I, that, that I think we may have kind of overused the word and, and overpromised uh, uh, its benefits sometimes. But, but when you think about the ability of a small team of engineers and designers and product owners, uh, their ability to move quickly, 
uh, and to test and learn their way into uh, capabilities for customers and what some of the, uh, the more modern uh, engineering capabilities that we have available to us today uh, safely in the public cloud uh, for banks. Uh, our industry is still pretty immature uh, in that. You know, I, again, count myself as, as pretty lucky as growing up in a place uh, that had the vision to be the first in, and we had, uh, you know, stubbed our toes a few times for sure, but, you know, being the first ones in, uh, but this, this undying conviction around that is in fact the way that smaller teams uh, like ourselves, and, you know, we're not small, small, are, are going to be able, be able to compete. Uh, you know, we've, we still yet to untap those things uh, as well. I think, I think generally the industry's appreciation for uh, design thinking and the convergence of design thinking and CX with engineering at the speed that, that, that one can do scaled up uh, with, with Agile uh, still has a lot of promise and, and will allow uh, us to out-national the locals and out-local uh, the nationals in, in, in the ways that, that we want to as well. Uh, great, uh, great insights there. Certainly plenty for us to also uh, keep our eye on as, as, as time goes on. I wanted to uh, close with a question about um, the secrets to your success, Mike. I mean, you were candid about the great fortune you had of joining Capital One when you did and some of what you learned that you clearly are taking with you on this next phase of your journey uh, as a chief information officer. I wonder as you further reflect on your professional um, career, uh, what other sorts of difference makers were there along along the way, especially if you wouldn't mind kind of tuning some of those insights to others who might be, you know, uh, behind you in their career, but but nevertheless would love to have one that's shaped a little bit like yours? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I certainly have been lucky to have found myself in some places that were pretty rich uh, in opportunity and in, in challenge. Um, but I also think that uh, the harder I've worked, the luckier I've gotten in it. And I think that that's a, a pretty common human, human condition. Um, you know, I often encourage uh, folks who are earlier in their careers, you know, whether they're just coming out of college or, uh, or really contemplating uh, kind of, you know, where they want to invest and where they want to go, uh, is to really spend those early years learning as much as possible. Uh, and I think it's easier, it, it's easy to say, particularly from our, you know, from our vantage point, having moved through those, uh, through those phases in, in our career. But I think um, there's so much power in experience, uh, you know, even within an organization, you know, let alone across uh, organizations and, and industries uh, that um, oftentimes I encourage others, try not to chart the path too tightly. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, in, in the early parts of, of one's career, because I, I just think that it's hard for us to really know kind of where we want to go and, and what's really going to engage us. Uh, and the more time that we can spend learning, the more times that we can raise our hand and, and make an offer uh, to help uh, in some way, just the more the more opportunity to, to get those different learnings um, in there. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I think also this is true regardless of where we are uh, in, in our career stages as technologists. You know, we're living in a time uh, where I think the abundance of opportunity itself can be a, a challenge. You know, we talked a little bit bef before the call uh, and, and maybe a, a little bit during about how, you know, many of us, are, our phones are ringing off the hook. Um, you know, this country just has a shortage of, uh, of technologists, and, and that's probably going to be here for, for quite some time. I, and I think that abundance of opportunity uh, can actually be overwhelming uh, for, for many. The upside in my mind is, we're, we're not going to be, many of us, if not all of us, are not going to be in a position where we're going to have a lack of opportunity. 
and many of the things that I think that, that one might have traditionally kind of anchored to of, uh, you know, where's it going to be? How much am I going to get paid? You know, you know, what kind of kind of uh, title and career trajectory might one have? I encourage others to try to resist those inspections and try to try to think about the tribe you want to join and the mission that you want to join and the values of the of, of the team that you want to be on want to, want to be on because I think that the more experience we get the more time that we spend uh, professionally the the more we have an appreciation for those elements and that currency of happiness uh, outweighing many of those other things and we're lucky enough to be in a place where those other things will take care of themselves um, like I guarantee you like it's just it's just simple economics uh, of, of the supply that's available and the demand uh, that exists here. And so the sooner you can figure out what's the mission, what's the values, and what's what tribe do you want to go on and use your special gifts and experience and, and, and skills for, I think the sooner you're going to realize uh, that uh, the craft that you have uh, is going to create much more benefit and, and much more currency happiness for you when, when, uh, when applied in those contexts. Well, really, uh, great, great insights there, Mike. I really appreciate those reflections and uh, uh, inspiring to hear the way in which those ideas have applied to you as well through our conversation. And and, and with that, I want to thank you so much for, for a stimulating uh, uh, dialogue, uh, a bit about your, your, your pro professional trajectory and various stops along the way, the remarkable work that you and your team are doing at M&T Bank. Uh, and a look into the future a little bit as well. It's been a really a, a great conversation. Thank you so much. No, thank you, Peter.